0: If we can get the large ski resorts into the mindset of saying, okay, I honestly want to diversify this sport and this, and the snow sports industry, then yes. Number one, start marketing and advertising in the African American community. Utilize people that look like us in your advertisement utilize marketing consultants that are african-american they are the best at marketing to african-americans
1: welcome to the storm i'm your host Stuart winchester what's going on i hope you're having a great day it's about to get better because my guest today is outstanding before we get to that A reminder to subscribe to the free Storm Skiing newsletter at skiing.substack.com to get all future podcasts and other content as soon as it's live. Episode 17, Henry Rivers, President of the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Who is skiing for? It should be for everyone, right? But is it? Does everyone truly feel welcome? What is it like when you roll up to the hill and there's no one else that looks like you? when no one in the marketing materials looks like you. Is that something you want to be a part of? Maybe not. I know as skiers, we generally feel welcoming. We want everyone to ski, and why not? It's the greatest thing ever. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably feel the same way. So how do we welcome more people in? Vale CEO Rob Katz started the conversation last week by acknowledging that the ski industry and the skiers they serve are not diverse enough. He was pretty blunt in saying that he saw this as a, quote, personal failing, unquote. So his company and the rest of the industry have a lot of work to do. But the rest of us do too. And I would argue that that begins by challenging our own assumptions, put away our reflexive defensiveness, and listen to other perspectives. If we love this sport and want it to be successful over the long term, and I know we all do, I think we start there by listening. My guest today is going to give us a really good place to start. Let's do it. My guest today is the president of the National Brotherhood of Skiers, the largest African-American ski and snowboard association in the world, and one of the largest ski organizations in America, with 3,500 members in more than 50 clubs across 43 cities. He is a professional ski instructor, a certified master teacher and children's specialist, as well as a U.S. ski and snowboard alpine coach, jury advisor, referee, and official. He also coaches at the Alpine Race Program at Wyndham Mountain, New York. He has been active with the Brotherhood since 1996. Henry Rivers is my guest. Henry, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's definitely my pleasure. Thank you for having us. First of all, Henry, how have you been doing these past several months? First with these endless COVID lockdowns and now with the nationwide protests in the wake of George Floyd's death. Are you safe? Are you healthy? How are you feeling? Well,
0: I personally am feeling well, um, avoided anything. Uh, I have not contracted COVID-19. Uh, I feel healthy and, um, you know, as far as George, George Floyd, it's, it's an ongoing battle that we, we face every day. Um, so we are, we are adjusting and dealing with it, but I am well, thank you.
1: So as I mentioned in the introduction, the NBS is an umbrella organization for more than 50 ski clubs across the United States. What can you tell us, Henry, about this network and about the strength of the Black Ski Club culture in this country?
0: Well, like you said, there's 50, 52 plus clubs uh, associated with the National Brotherhood of Skiers. Uh, The National Brotherhood of Skiers, first of all, you know what our mission is. Our mission is to identify develop and support athletes of color who will win international and olympic winter sports competitions representing the united states and to increase participation in winter sports so we get that done we achieve that mission through our member clubs you know some of our clubs all season ski club black ski thrill seekers jazz Jim gym dandy ski clubs slippers and sliders know these they're 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 the boots on the ground they are what drives our organization you know so that's that's part of what we do the other um the main goal really is to do outreach you know to introduce our communities to winter sports and that's 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 what really drives us we love the healthy lifestyle, we love the outdoors, and it's it's a way for us to bring that culture to our
1: culture. So is the MBS, do you proactively try to start new clubs in new cities, or as these things form, do they find out about the MBS, come to you, say, hey, this is great, we wanna be part of your coalition?
0: You know, honestly, I believe, and this is my thought, I believe that someone comes to one of our events, a summit or a regional event, they love it. They fall in love with the camaraderie and and just the whole atmosphere at one of our events. And when they get home and they're in an area that doesn't have a club, they want that. So they actually develop a club in their area. You know, we've 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 been at a point where we've had over 80 clubs. You know, mm-hmm. some of that's died down, but we are seeing a resurgence. So we are seeing clubs being born in other
1: cities. And what do you think is driving that resurgence you've seen lately? Uh, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's just people wanting a healthier lifestyle,
0: honestly, in my community, in the black and the African-American community, and, and, and developing a love for, for winter sports, whether it's skiing or snowboarding. You know, so that is what I think is driving
1: that. The MBS has been around for a long time now. The first summit was in Aspen in 1973. 47 years later, still going strong. This December, your founders, Art Clay and Ben Finley, will be inducted into the Ski and Snowboard Hall of Fame. Uh, What does this longevity of the MBS and your founders' induction tell us about the impact of the MBS, the impact it's had on skiing through its nearly 50 years of existence?
0: Well, I definitely believe that Art Clay and Ben Finley have introduced hundreds of thousands of African-Americans to skiing. And I'm going to say, you know, hundreds of those individuals would have never, never been introduced to this sport. Um, They've opened the door for many African-Americans. You know, you figure, look at it like this, 47 years that we've been having summits. And if only five hundred people came to each summit, that's a thousand. That's over. That's like two hundred thousand. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a vast number. Um, and I think they've done a, a remarkable job. And, and the longevity and the fact that we've stayed around for forty seven years is, is definitely acknowledges how much we we like the sport, how much we love the sport. And and, and, and I, I believe that it's going to keep going, and I think it, there's a resurgence here. 2023 will mark our 50th anniversary, and I believe that's gonna be um, unquestionably, hands down probably the most exquisite summit ever.
1: Are you thinking about that one already? Oh, definitely.
0: We're planning it already.
1: Do you have a location in mind?
0: Uh, I do, but I don't wanna disclose that at this
1: point. <laughs> Lots of good money to take from. How does? Did... <laughs> no, I understand. How does that whole process work of ski and snowboard Hall of Fame? Do they come to you, or is there an application process? How how did they zero in on this and 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 decide to acknowledge the significance of the MBS and your founders?
0: Well, the MBS put together a team, and they actually did the nomination and all the legwork to submit Art and Ben to the Hall of Fame. Um, Peggy Allen had put together a team. Uh, Kim Bentley was on that team, and they really worked very hard for uh, several years to get this uh, pass, to get it through. Uh, They they didn't get through on their first voting attempt. Uh, The second time around, though, they didn't get through. The third time was the charm, and and here we are with um, Art and Ben being inducted into the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, that, that should be a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully that can carry on in December with, you know, everything's so tentative now as far as gatherings and events go, but hopefully we see that happen and uh, and acknowledge all their accomplishments. So over these 50 years, the MBS mission has evolved somewhat. It's focused more at times on, as you mentioned earlier, developing athletes of color to compute in international competitions. Um, under Peggy Allen, from my understanding, it also expanded to Uh, increase general participation in recreational skiing a bit more. Uh, How would you characterize the Brotherhood's primary focus today?
0: Well, let me just give you a little more history on that. In 94 the vision or dream of the National Brotherhood of Skiers was to serve as a catalyst for the development and support of African-American athletes in winter sports with an emphasis on skiing, to provide them with the necessary skills required to make a u.s olympic winter team and to promote skiing among african americans that was the strategic plan in 1994 uh and and then you know we we slowly evolved to where we are today again i'm going to repeat it again because I, I i want your your viewers and your listeners to understand our mission and our mission today is to identify develop and support athletes of color who will win international and Olympic winter sports competitions representing the United States and to increase participation in winter sports. So that's where we are today. And we have, as a result of this, we've developed our team NBS that has our national team athletes on it that we support. We support them through the fundraising efforts of our summits, our national summits. Uh, donations that can be made via our website. Our website is www.nbs.org, and there's a donation tab there. We, we love receiving donations to help support our athletes
1: of color. As far as identifying the, that talent, the finding the athletes who have the potential to really excel and go on to these competitive international levels. Do you rely on your local clubs for that? Do you work with, with partner mountains? How, how does that whole process work?
0: Well, that's actually on a grassroots level. I'm glad you asked that question because we constantly, our Olympic Scholarship Fund administrator, his name is Forrest King Shaw. He's out of Squaw in Alpine Meadows in, in California. Mm-hmm. Um, he is in charge of the OSF, the Olympic Scholarship Fund. John Tinsley is our national competition director. He's also out in that area, and then we have regional coaches in the midwest region the the Rocky Mountain region, the Eastern region, and the western region. They are all and most of our professional uh, skiers, uh, whether they're alpine coaches or ski instructors, they work at local mountains now at those local mountains. they have athletes. Uh, that are on get on the radar, and we watch them. We watch them from U10. That's under 10, under the age of 10. We watch them at that level, and then as they progress to U12, that's the time when we can actually support them with scholarships from our Olympic Scholarship Fund. We we identify the talent, we nurture that talent, we help train that talent. We get them to attend our summit and our race camps. We get them out to summer training camps out in Mount Hood or Mammoth. And uh we just we just provide every resource we can to give them a level playing field so they can compete and compete positively in this sport.
1: I think when most people think of ski competition, they immediately think of racing. And of course, there's a big park and pipe element that's grown up in the last several years, and those are now acknowledged as Olympic events. I'm curious also about these competitive events, these uh, big mountain free skiing events that have popped up over the years, and, and and these are now competitive on an international level. They're not Olympic sports, but I'm curious if if that is something that you are developing athletes for as well.
0: Most definitely, we're looking at every aspect of winter sports, Nordic. Uh, free skiing, ski across, ski across is picking up quite a bit and a lot of our athletes are participating in that. Uh, Nordic, you know, we've had uh, just in the last Olympics, you know, we've actually won a gold medal at the U.S. in Nordic. That's always a Norway or Norwegian win or, you know, uh, or in that area of the world, they dominated. We've never yeah. been that successful, but we have now. And in the NBS that's in our scopes and we are definitely looking for cross country Nordic skiers, ski ski cross, free riding, um, a lot and now boarding, you know, we have one excellent uh young athlete, Brian Rice the second, who's skiing out of out of uh Michigan. Excellent, excellent young man, excellent boarder. Uh he's doing quite well for for us right now and for himself. Um you know, so we're we're all across the board. Any winter sport that we can get behind, that's what we're going to do.
1: Yeah. Is that the, the Flyin' Brian fundraiser that I saw? That's correct. Is that something that that fundraiser? Is that something that you endorse or you're part of?
0: Yes, definitely.
1: So if folks want to help that young man in his mission, I believe he's aiming for the 2022 Winter Olympics. Is that right?
0: That's correct. And all you have to do, again, you can go right to our website, www.nbs.org, and look at uh, our page and go and click on donation, and and help support his goal. You know, he we there are plenty of different sites to go to, but you can definitely go to our site and and help us help Brian achieve his goal.
1: So Henry, you're relatively new to this president's role. You recently took over from past president Peggy Allen. Uh, what were the organization's major accomplishments under Peggy's leadership and how do you hope to build upon those? Well, like I said, I think, I think one of the greatest
0: accomplishments that she had was actually driving through and getting Art Clay and Ben Finley inducted or, or the process done to get them inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that was a tremendous accomplishment and a great job. Uh, she put together a successful team and, and we accomplished what needs to be done. So how do we build on that? We're taking that and we're moving forward. Right now, what we're doing as a result of what's been happening, I know you'll get to this later, but we're definitely in communication with some of the larger resorts. Vail Resorts, um, Altera, um, and, and we're working with a couple of other large corporations so that we can get our message out there. We want to help those companies diversify their, their staff, their mountains, and we want to be there as a resource to help them reach their diversification goals and their inclusivity goals. And their equity goals.
1: Yeah, let's jump right into that actually and talk about diversity in skiing. So, uh, there was a National Ski Areas Association study from a few years back that found that whites made up 85% of all skier visits, despite being only around 60% of the U.S. population. African Americans, which make up over 13% of the population, accounted for just 1.2%. Before we get into the specifics of Vale and Altera and the things that Uh, veil is starting to do. I'm curious to hear your thoughts as to why this disparity exists. Well, you know,
0: number one, the first and the the biggest glaring item there is proximity to a mountain, proximity to a ski resort. Uh, Most of the African-American community, Black men, Black women, and Black children live in Urban areas, you know, so like in New York here, uh we leave New York to get to uh the closest mountain in the Catskills It's a three hour drive, you know, mm-hmm. so it's not like uh I can roll out of bed in thirty five minutes I'm on the hill, and I can practice, I can ski, I can train you know it's it's a day trek, it's usually an overnight trip uh for us, the African American community. So that's definitely um, an obstacle to to diversity or African-American skier skier days. You know, so that's number one. The second, uh, you know, it's not, I I would think it's the lack of, you know, diversity, actually. So if there's no blacks up on the mountain, there's no African-Americans up on the mountain, why do I want to go there, you know, Mm -hmm. unless I have this, this huge yearning draw to just experience uh, winter sports or winter activities. Other than that, I'm going to stay in my community. I'm going to stay down here in the cities and and not partake in that, you know, so it's, it's not inviting, you know, so we've got, and it's, it's also not marketed to our communities. You know, if if the large ski resorts really want to diversify, they're going to, utilize individuals that look like us that are African Americans in their marketing campaigns, and they're going to target our communities. You know, you don't diversify by targeting the same community, you know, and you're not going to diversify or, or attract people from my community with advertisements of white people skiing. You know, why do I want to go there? It's only white people skiing there. No you know so if if we can get them or the them into the mindset of saying okay i honestly want to diversify this sport and this and the snow sports industry then yes number 1 start marketing and advertising in the african american community utilize people that look like us in your advertisement utilize marketing consultants that are african-american they are the best at marketing to african-americans so utilize go with the best that you can
1: to to achieve the goals that we want to get so there's some pretty clear proximity issues and marketing issues there uh resorts became the first big ski company to acknowledge this in a straightforward way ceo rob katz sent out a memo last week that addressed this lack of diversity head-on both among participants and the people who run the mountains. And he acknowledged that the skiing community probably carries deep, implicit biases that it is not consciously aware of. And he called the lack of ongoing diversity a personal failing. That's a quote. After his 30 years in the industry, 14 of which he has spent as head of the world's largest ski company. First of all, Henry, what is your response to this memo? I spoke directly with Rob Katz about his memo before or after he sent it right after he sent it
0: um actually i spoke with pat campbell before it went out uh pat campbell's president of uh, mountain operations i did tell rob that i am I, i was happy that they sent it out i'm happy that they reached out to the national brotherhood of skiers to help them answer or 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 look at how we can help come to some mutual understanding and get the ski industry to understand how important it is for the existence of the ski snow sports industry to survive, it must diversify. It must be inclusive and there must be equity in this as well. Um, He is extremely receptive to it and honestly I believe that Rob is going to make a difference. I believe that he is going to come through with a lot of the ideas and goals that we've laid out, Uh, he does understand how important it is to be inclusive on all levels. You know, if you're looking at the hospitality end of the industry, you know, we're not looking at, you know, just having African-American men, women, and children there as waiters or bartenders, you know, we're looking at management as well, okay? All levels of the industry should be diversified. Um, and that's got to be a priority. You know, that is going, what is that going to do? That is going to help improve skier days, uh, skier visits. And that that's the bottom line. That's what the industry needs and that's what the industry wants. So we need to come up with a way to achieve that. I think Rob is, understands, you know, what it takes with snow sports. It's not, it's not just, just having African-American Ski instructors or snowboard instructors, you know, it's also having those uh, supervisors in that level of snow sports uh, running, running programs. You know, we have a tremendous wealth of professional ski instructors, snowboarders and coaches throughout the United States that are African-American and people of color that have been doing this for 40, 50 years. You know, we have a guy in Colorado, Charles Smith. He started he started instructing back in 1966. You know, I was 5 years old. Wow. You know, he's an accomplished uh amazing instructor. Uh he hands down started bringing... he was a influential person in bringing uh youth from underrepresented communities to the mountains out in Colorado. You know, he personally took over 1500 children to the mountains, you know, and this is starting in 1966. We've been, we've been doing this all over the country and we, we now, you know, we know it, you know, the snow sports industry might not have known it or did not want to acknowledge it. But now in light of what's happening in the streets today, they understand the importance of realizing what they've been overlooking or they have not acknowledged. So now they're willing to, from what Rob's stating and also Mike Kaplan, what they're stating is that it's time. It's time to make the change. It is time to diversify. It's time to start having programs and plans of inclusion. And and it's not just including us, all right? There has to be equity in this. You know, individuals can't come in and the, the playing field is not level, all right? Because, you know, I could be down, uh, two seat down on the playing for- field and you think that, oh, well, I let them in. That, that's just one part of it, all right? We've got to be on the same level. Everything's got to be equal, equity, and, and then we can get forward. You don't need to be um, uh, a race coach and and – the white race coaches look down on the black race coaches saying, well, you know, this guy doesn't know anything about skiing. Mm. You know, if they become a coach, they know what they're doing, um, you know, they, and they're passionate about what they want to do, you know, so give them that much respect. And as a, a seasoned professional in the sport, give some guidance. And give guidance without condensation, you know, give guidance and say, hey, you might want to do this next time. You know, not, oh, what, you don't know how to set a course or, oh, you don't know how to do this. You know, we don't need that. That's not going to help uh, with inclusion, you know. That just lets a guy in and then you push him off to the side. You remember the um, the movie uh, Animal House where they had mm-hmm. the guys that they always kept wind up putting back on the, uh, on the sofa. You know, they brought him into the rush meeting and they always kept winding up on the sofa. You know, that's not where we want to wind up. That's not the deal. We want to be included in this. We want to be equal in this. And we want the sports industry to diversify.
1: It's only going to help there's, everyone. There's an incredible amount of work to do. And the fact that Vale's talking about it is promising just because they have such huge influence, not only because they own 34 mountains in North America, but because... Whatever Vale does, everyone else says, oh, how do I do that? That's, you know, that's why Altera exists is because everyone was getting their butts kicked by Vale, And they said, we need this mega pass. We need to get in on this thing. So where Vale leads, others will follow or will start to step up and compete. And, and, and Rob was frank about that. Change is needed. He was also very humble in admitting that he did not know how to go about doing that. Uh, you just laid out a lot of things that the snow sports industry needs to do to change. What do you think is step one here, Henry?
0: Well, I think they've taken step one. Step one is acknowledging that this disparity exists and acknowledging that it needs to change. I think that's the first step for sure. Um, We're working on step two right now. Uh, I'm I'm in communication with several of the uh, large ski resorts. And, you know, we were definitely available for all ski resorts as a resource uh, to help them figure out the plan, uh, the plan to diversify. Um, like I said, this inclusion, uh, and I, I know I'm repeating myself a few times, but this inclusion has to be on all levels. Uh, it must be a priority, but we have to come up with an overall plan, a plan that's, that's doable, you know, we don't need some grandiose scheme that that's not achievable. We really want to see results, and I think we can. Um, it starts, you know, on the on the snow resort level on, on the ski resort level. You know, we're talking about the management side and and the workforce side that has to be diversified. But we've also spoken about. We need to bring in more African-American men, women, and children on into skiing, into snowboarding. You know, if we can do that, if we can really build up our outreach program and we can do that, then that will be reflective in what management has to look like. Because if, you're, if your body that you're serving, your clientele that you're serving uh, changes the, the the overall look changes from 85% white to 50% white, 50% people of color, then your management should reflect that too. You know, so, you know, Rob and, um, and Pat, we spoke about how we can improve outreach to underserved communities, to increase participation on the snow. So that's, a, that's one aspect of it and if we can get that done, if we can start seeing a change in there that will show up on the slopes, then we can definitely also simultaneously working with changing the management as well, you know, uh, so we have African American in positions of management.
1: Yeah. I want to talk about that a little more because there's a lot of things that increasing diversity in skiing means, and they're all interrelated. So the obvious ones to me are one, the people who run the mountains, as you just spoke to, two recreational skiers, which we spoke to earlier, and three, which we also spoke to earlier, which is competitive and big mountain skiers. So first the people running the mountains, there are, there were In the 2018 to 19 ski season, 476 ski areas in the United States, according to the National Ski Areas Association. Uh, I'm not aware of, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not aware of a single mountain that has a black general manager. You know, these are positions, Henry, that the people they most often work their way up to. And and it goes back to what you were saying like, you don't just need African American ski instructors and race coaches, You, you need folks who are at all levels so that you eventually have folks who are running the mountains. The entertainment industry um, has started a number of programs where they proactively identify promising a minority talent and help them launch their careers with the idea being that if they just give them the right uh, access, and most often it's it's an access issue, right? Because the talent is there, the desire is there. It's just a, it's a matter of of knowing how to work the system, right? How to work your way into the system. So they bring these people up to be the directors and the producers and the back office talent of tomorrow. So from what you were saying earlier about just getting folks working with running the mountains who are more diverse, could programs similar to the one I just described that the entertainment industry uses, could these sorts of things help the ski industry grow the diversity of its talent pool over the long term?
0: I I I agree with that. I think yes, that that is a possible possibility. Um you mentioned 476 ski areas in the US. Uh we do have one. Um it's a National Winter Activity Center. That's right across the uh the river in New Jersey. Um that one is being run by Sean Malier. Uh he's an African American and you know about, I'm sure you know about it, but um, I, yeah, did. I, we, we, I wasn't
1: thinking of that cause it's uh, not a public ski area, but right. yeah, right. I
0: understand, but it still is a, a ski area. So we do, let's give them credit sure. for that.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: and you know, but you're absolutely right. We do have a couple of ski areas. I do know one that has a African-American uh, snow sports director uh that runs their, their ski schools and their snowboard schools uh angel fire out in um uh new mexico new
1: mexico mm-hmm.
0: you know but uh it's it's not even far and few between it's one and two that's all we have so you know right. 474 are run by- w- white uh, white people or almost all of them by white males. Uh, why I take my hat off to Vale is they they have a woman, uh, a white woman running their mountain operations. And that's, that's a great accomplishment, you know, and, 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 and I really, I'm looking forward to our negotiations with vale, uh because I think they are in the right mindset. They're on the right path. And I think their hearts are in the right place. So, you know, we're going to be working closely with them to uh, see how we can help develop and help increase diversity within our sport. You know, and you got to understand the African-Americans that ski and ride, they love this sport, just like white Americans love skiing and snowboarding. I mean, they are so passionate about the sport. They can can do anything uh, in the sport. They love it. And they don't, and they will do whatever they have to do to to ski or ride. So they're going to help us achieve this goal of diversity within the, the snow sports industry.
1: Once you have folks more folks running the mountains who are diverse, the second pillar of that diversity is having more diverse skiers on the slopes, right? But it really it's related to the first point, and you really can't escape it. How important is it to have diverse individuals running the mountains? if the industry wants to make them appeal to diverse skiers? Extremely.
0: Uh, you look at the present retention rate, uh, first-time skiers in the snow sports industry, what is it, 22, 27%? Uh, you should, I don't, I'm not uh, 100% on that number, but it's about is right the retention rate. Um, a first-time skier that comes to an NBS event, that's an African-American skier, uh, that, their retention rate is close to 70%. And and I mean, 70% is, is outstanding. You know, if we could get the snow sports industry to be up to 50%, could you imagine how many skier days that would mean, how many more skier days that would bring? Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it it it's critical that as an African-American, if I were uh, a never, ever skier and I go to a mountain and I want to learn – it would really be in my best interest if I learned how to ski or ride from a person that looked like me. If I see that, I said, okay, this, you know, I can relate to it a lot better. You know, um, it's not like am I being careful about what I say about them because they're going to, you know, around a white ski instructor that might take what I say the wrong way, uh, and, and not, and, and not see, the potential ability in me and, and really work hard to try to retain me and teach me how to ski. So yes, the bottom line is this, if I'm taught by someone that looks like me, I'm coming back for a second lesson. If I'm taught by somebody that doesn't look like me, uh, you know, the, the percentage of me wanting to come back definitely diminishes, you know, it definitely goes down substantially. So, for the, to increase gear days, we need to think about that, you know, and I don't want to say, you know, every time a an African-American skier or a rider comes to a mountain for a first time lesson, they need to have an African-American teach them. No, but it it is, it is a good start. If they can see proficiency by someone that looks like them on skis, they're going to want to reach that. They're going to want to get to that level.
1: We talked a lot about competitors earlier and MBS is doing a lot to help promote African-American competitors at all levels. Uh, But how can the ski industry or organized skiing step up to help recruit, train, promote more diverse standout talent to make it to these highest levels of competition on a more regular basis?
0: Okay, we were we speak with uh, United States Ski and Snowboard. USSA, uh, USSS, and we're, we're trying to come up with a a strong plan. Now, they're, they're, they're headquartered in Park City, but the grassroots clubs are at every mountain across the country. You know, my mountain I work at, Wyndham Mountain, um, in the Catskills, we're a grassroots organization and we participate in competitions all around in our region. When other grassroots organizations find or identify an African-American or a skier of color in one of their programs, we, we ask them all to reach out to our organization, to the National Brotherhood of Skiers, and tell us of that potential athlete. You know, so we travel uh, far as King Shaw. He'll travel to different mountains just to look at talented individuals that someone called him up and said, you know, I'm over here in Michigan at Mount Brighton, and, and I've got this kid that is phenomenal. I need you to come and take a look at him and see if you could support him and sponsor him and nurture his development. You know, same thing happens here in New York. I'll get a call and say, look, we got a guy at West mountain. That's really, really going through the gates. Well, why don't you give him a look and see if your organization could support him. And it happens across the country. We need a lot more, a lot more, um, uh, I'm going to say talent scouts, but we need a lot more uh, coaches to identify that because we really want to see the inclusion of our athletes. Uh, if they get the proper training, the proper coaching, and write and a, a, a number of days on the snow. You know, it's definitely repetition, days on the snow. We gotta get that in. Um, then we can um, improve that and increase our chance of getting one of our African-American athletes to podium in a World Cup
1: event. It sounds like there's a lot of different things going on around the ski world to, to slowly help diversify the, the skier and the competitive base. Uh, There are some things that sort of organically and and some more deliberately than others have helped promote or showed promise in, in bringing more diversity to skiing. And probably the one that's been most successful lately has been the Big Snow Indoor Ski Complex in New Jersey. The Colorado Sun profiled this area in January, shortly after it opened and one of the focuses of the article was how diverse the new visitors were. And there are a lot of things contributing to that, of course. like First of all, it's right across the river from Manhattan. You can see it from any Midtown Manhattan skyscraper. So it's in the in the heart of this incredibly diverse metropolitan New York City region. Uh, and number two, they have really vastly simplified the experience. So you, you walk in there, you pay one price, and that includes all your skis, all your clothes, your lift ticket, a lesson. And they use this sort of uh, banked, turns to really ease, like kind of flatten the, uh, the learning curve. So what is the success of this facility telling us about how ski areas could retool themselves to better appeal to more diverse audiences?
0: Well, you know, you hit the nail on the head there and, and I think they're, they're hitting a home run. I'm actually scheduling to go over there and check it out myself. I have not been there yet. Um, but we're looking at that because as you're aware, Uh, all of our summer training has really been put on hold, uh, Mm -hmm. travel restrictions and and the like. So we won't be going to Mount hood to be doing our our summer training camps, but it's a possibility that we can do. um, I think Nick Brewster has a program. He's starting over there in in the complex. So hopefully we can do some winter uh, um, summer training in there, but yes, if you do an all-inclusive type operation, you know, Wyndham had a program where you can learn to ski, uh, you get your, lifts, your lessons, your lift ticket, and equipment, and when you're done after three days or so or three different visits to the mountain, you actually keep the equipment. You know, I mean, what more well, can you ask for? Yeah, well. so I mean, you're fully equipped. You You have a basic understanding of the sport, and you're actually able to Get down and and use a, a lift. Uh, so I think that is a good way to proceed. Do a complete package. Bring them, you know, hand feed them and 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 teach them and get them get them to to really learn the sport and like the sport. And then if you give them the equipment, boom, they're coming back. They're going to have those skis. Let's say they live in Manhattan or they live in Brooklyn in a small apartment. They're going to have those skis against the wall, taking up mm-hmm. space in the apartment so they're going to see that every day. So now, right. hey, look, I've got to I got to use these skis. I got to go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? so I think it's it's a positive.
1: Yeah, I, I think the the big advantage they have is it's part of a mall, right? It's it, it's I had them on the podcast. Uh Hugh Reynolds, their their VP of sales and marketing came on the podcast several months ago and and you know, they've basically they've really oriented it toward beginners. And they've they're thinking of it more as entertainment experience, right? And really setting people up with everything they need. But I I think the the plus of that for skiing as a whole is, yes, Wyndham has a great package. But as you said earlier, are you going to drive there three hours to ski for your first time? Maybe not. But if you're in that mall in New Jersey, maybe you'll be like, oh, let me check this out. And if you like it, Then maybe you start eyeballing, oh, there's Wyndham up there, there's Bel Air, there's Hunter, there's Platykill right there, all these ski areas that were within a couple hours of the city, and that might be your next step. But that's a step two you never would have gotten to without first going to Big Snow. So hopefully they can reopen soon and and get things spinning so you guys have a place to train. Um, Elsewhere in New Jersey, and and I I don't know if I would have identified New Jersey as the learning hotspot of the country, but here we are. Um, as you mentioned, the National Winter Activity Center. Uh, this is a formerly public ski area, and it's actually right next door to Mountain Creek, which is a pretty built out ski area there in New Jersey. Uh, and, and this is, as you mentioned, it's it's been converted into uh, really just a, this huge learning center, and, and they just run all these youth programs. And the whole mission of the place is Let's find people who otherwise don't have access to winter sports. Let's set them up with the right gear. Let's teach them the etiquette. Let's teach them how to ski. Um, What is that center doing that could be replicated by larger ski areas to help grow diversity in the sport? Well, you know, that's
0: a very good program over there. And what they're doing, they're, they're a complete package for underrepresented communities. So they're not only they're they're providing the transportation to get the kids to the mountain. They're providing all the equipment and gear, clothing that they need to participate, and they're also providing them with 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 meals, with food, uh nourishment. So these kids are coming out from the inner cities They're getting geared up. They're learning how to ski. They're getting lessons and they're getting lessons from instructors that really have a passion for, for the mountain. You know, I know one woman that works there. Her name is Hannah Hunt. And this woman, that's all she does is talk about how passionate she is with these kids. And, and she loves it. And, you know, and she can see the improvement and, the, the drive and determination of these kids to want to learn how to ski or ride. Um, so it's a complete package, and it, it also it keeps them fed. And even if the kids, uh, some of them, may, they might not have winter coats. They can take the winter coats home. So how do you duplicate this at at other facilities? You know, that's they're they're a bit unique because they're so close to an inner city. Uh, Mm -hmm. They're so close to New York City, so it's only an hour and a half drive and you're there. Um, Where you have other mountains, it's going to be much harder for them to replicate that because they're not in that close proximity. Um, The other, the only other area like that that I could mention that I know firsthand of would be Summit County in Colorado. It might be an hour and a half, two hour drive from Denver, let's say and they can bring the kids up they clothe them i know another organization out there called alpino and they did something similar to that um so in you know it helped because it's skier days and it's introducing these young children to winter sports and honestly you know i just have to say that watching young children of color, I mean, African-American kids, Hispanic kids, Indian kids. When I, I watch them snowboard and they couldn't all day long, they could not get up and stay up on it. But instead, they'd lay on the board and, and slide down the hill. And if you look at the happiness in their face, it was just Unbelievable! All you could do is smile and laugh because they were having such a great time. And so eventually they will learn how to ski. Maybe it wasn't that day, but they come back and they will learn how to ski. You know, so how do you replicate it? It's hard to say, you know, because that is not – most ski resorts are not that close to – uh, a population, an underrepresented population, as uh, National Winter Activity Center is.
1: Yeah, it's it's certainly an important one though, and and it's only a couple years old, really. So it's, it'll be interesting over time to see how they're able to develop and translate that passion long term. When you look at your membership, Henry, it, you know each of your members they found skiing and they developed a passion for it, uh, despite in most cases not having access to a program like the one we just described. Um, And despite the fact that the sport has not always necessarily been welcoming for them, keeping in mind that each individual has their own story of how they arrived at this love for skiing that you described so passionately. uh, Are there common themes that you see among your members' stories that could translate to models for attracting and retaining African-American skiers? Yes. Um,
0: First of all, there is a common theme across the country um, about how everyone learned how to ski. You know, I look at my own story. I started skiing back in the sixties and the same time I was learning how to ski in the sixties, there was another, another African-American in Detroit learning how to ski. There was another one in, um, in in California learning how to ski and Colorado and Utah. Well, maybe not Utah. (laughs) That's a joke, but, um, you know, so we all had a, a very similar start to skiing and and now it's as as we've evolved to the point where we are now in 2020, it's similar. You know what I hear from a lot of our memberships, we offer at the summits. We offer skiing with our snow pros. They're all professional ski instructors or coaches uh, that are certified with either PSIE or USSA, and they offer tips to our membership on how to improve their skiing. They're not giving them instruction, but they are offering tips. And I'm telling you, the, re- the response that we received from our members, during a summit, this past summit, we had about 550, 575 attendees. I would say 150 of them took part in uh, a snow pro clinic. And they talk about it uh, just just tremendous reviews on how successful they felt their skiing how how much their skiing improved how successful the the skiing course was with them and again it goes back to being taught by someone that looks like you being taught that someone that that might have the same type of uh pedigree as you and i mean that to say maybe maybe a lot of the athletes uh, not just athlete, but many of them athletes. But maybe a lot of the skiers were ex football players, ex basketball players. They played in college, and and a lot of the snow pros, well, they they played football and they played basketball, and and now they're all avid professional skiers. So they can relate, and they can pick up things that are associated with basketball and football and related to skiing, and it really helps the individual that's that's taking these pointers and these tips. So it it goes back down to saying that being taught by someone that looks like you really helps.
1: So there's a ton that ski areas and the larger ski industry can do certainly. uh, But I don't think the responsibility ends at the institutional level. I think most white skiers would probably not describe themselves as racist. And they probably think of skiing as a pretty welcoming sport. And a lot of them are going to get defensive when I bring a topic like this up, But we are looking at this, frankly, through a pretty restrictive prism. It's, it's defined by a certain set of life expectations and life experiences that we as white people have. What are we, meaning white skiers, missing here? Or what are we missing by not considering this through the eyes of someone showing up at a mountain where nearly everyone looks different from them?
0: Well, I can tell you the f- first thing that comes to mind is uh, when you pull up into the corral, You've you, you just finished skiing a run, and this is for, let's say, for an intermediate skier, an intermediate level skier. They finish coming down, they go into the lift line, and they're standing there getting ready to get on the chair, and a white skier, intermediate or better white skier, comes down and says, wow, I was watching you ski. You ski pretty good, you know? But it's said, and and I honestly believe that it's not said to be condescending, but honestly, when it comes out, the way it comes out, it is usually condescending. And that is, you know, they have to, white skiers need to start thinking about what they say um, and, and be more welcoming. Uh, you know, and I have a lot, I, I ski with so many white skiers. And I have a, a ton of friends that are white skiers, I mean, and close friends. Uh, they come to my house for, for barbecues and picnics but um you know they you want to embrace us but you know you don't have to as soon as you say hey and hug and all that no that's not what i'm saying but uh, give us a little space um you don't have to make comments that are saying oh you know you're you're looking pretty good there skiing, you know and then always have a comment you know we you don't always need to give a comment on how to improve your skin i tell people that i coach and that i instruct You know, I don't care if you're um, a novice skier, an intermediate skier, an expert skier, a professional skier. I really don't care. You're skiing because you love the exhilaration of skiing. You love what it feels like to be on snow. There is nothing better than – I've never experienced anything sweeter than coming down a hill and – and me personally thinking that I did better than the mountain today. You know, whether <laughs> I looked good or I did not, it doesn't matter. I felt good. You know, and that and that's what skiing's about. Skiing is a good feeling. And it's a feeling that everyone personally has a different a different feel for. It is affects you differently. But the bottom line is that it affects you and you love it. And you wind up getting a passion for skiing that I think you can hear in my voice. I love skiing, and, and I, I wouldn't give it up. You know, I, I'm I'm really fragile now at my age, but I would not give up skiing. And, and every run, you know, you're always working to improve, and but you're enjoying what you're doing. And that's all we want to do. We want all underrepresented communities to enjoy the sport of skiing or riding or just enjoying the outdoors. It, it's just a fabulous. Fabulous feeling.
1: You know, as we as we look to make the sport more inclusive, we're having this conversation in the wake of George Floyd's death. And uh, polls are showing that the number of Americans that describe racism and discrimination as a big problem have really shot up to all time highs in the wake of this. 76 percent of Americans and 71 percent of white Americans now characterize discrimination that way. Uh, That's a huge increase from numbers we saw just five years ago. Do you think that change in sentiment will evolve the way people think about race in relation to skiing?
0: I I definitely think it will, and I hope so. But let me just tell you, on those numbers that you just said, um, those numbers have never changed for me. Those numbers, as far as the percent of uh, your feeling of discrimination in this country, for an African-American, man, woman, or child, discrimination is a hundred percent. It always has been. It's not 70%. It's not a, a, I feel more discrimination now than I did yesterday or I did when they, when they, when they killed Eric Gardner, you know, those things, it, it, you know, this is something that we live through every single day of our life. So yes, I, I appreciate that. It's, it's stated that, you know, more Americans across the world are saying 70 76% more, um, Feel there is discrimination? Yes, okay, but understand that as an African American, it's been a hundred percent, and it's been for every day of my life. I hope that we can uh, move forward with with some kind of um, new process. Uh, you know, uh, this is it, we've been through this so many times, and you know, uh, we could say I could list names for the next 24 hours of people that have been killed as a result of discrimination and hatred in our country. But, you know, we need it addressed. And what I do love is that I see whites and blacks protesting together. I'm seeing more whites out in some protests than I'm seeing blacks because they understand that this is the time that this has to change. This has to stop, you know, for America to be equal. Everyone has to be equal. There's no there's no secondary option here, you know, and for and it's America. America relates to the skiing industry, but it's America first. We have to get rid of discrimination, you know, and, and I think that we're moving that way, and I take my hat off to all the young whites and the older whites as well, but all the white people that are siding with us and backing us and supporting us I take my hat off to you, and I appreciate your support, but I understand that this is something that we've lived with forever and and we would love
1: to see a change certainly very challenging times, and there's finally a, a larger national conversation about it, and hopefully this leads to some lasting change i It's been a tough week a uh, tough year overall henry for for everyone but but really especially for your members your uh your summit at Sun Valley turned tragic this year, and it, a number of your members ended up contracting COVID-19 and at least four passed away. Uh, My condolences for that, Henry. I I just want to end by asking, you know, how are you dealing with this on a personal level and how are your members feeling after this summit this year?
0: Well, as you said, it was traumatic. It was something that we've never envisioned, uh, something that we never thought would happen. Um, You know, I would love to uh, verbally acknowledge the individuals that we did lose but i don't have that right to do that but you know our hearts and our prayers and our thoughts are always with the families of the members that we've lost within the mbs the challenge that we have now is that it's it's hurt our membership especially our members that attended sun valley so they're a little uh apprehensive uh ski it seems like ski resorts we're a hotbed for this virus. You know, you have people imported from all over, people traveling from all over the globe coming to the ski resort. So that's how the virus was being uh, transmitted to these areas. Uh, so our our members are, are a little bit gun-shy. They're, they're afraid. Uh, but I think as as time goes on, we're seeing that we are hopefully getting control over this pandemic and getting control over this virus. We'll see how things pan out in the next few months with summer activities at some of these ski resorts, Um, you know, because we we, we're looking forward to our next summit, which is February 27th through March 6th, 2021. That one I can tell you will be held at Snowmass, Aspen Snowmass in Colorado. Um, But it's all predicated on what happens in the world uh how how do we have a handle on this covid-19 stuff if we have a handle on it if travel restrictions open up if hospitality opens up hotels you know social distancing if that uh, is sort of uh, uh re- released or 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 toned down a little bit i cuz i don't see how you know we can really engage and, and partake in skiing with social distancing requirements in place. But we'll see, um, you know, so we're, we're a little gun shy for our next summit, but hopefully, hopefully we'll get past that. And we will have a summit in 2021. That is the, that is the hope that is the goal. Uh, but if we have to do something alternative to that summit, we will, uh, but we'll know that towards the end of the summer. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, but I, I we, NBS uh, is a resilient group. You know, we've been through a lot and we can go through a lot more. I think that we're going to do well. I think we'll be fine. We'll rise up from the ashes and we will ski again. You know, so I, I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in, in our organization.
1: Well, I know you got your sights set on Wyndham, Henry, and, and I'll ask you. Uh, I'll ask you this question as the last one today. As a Wyndham guy, I'm curious about your opinion of Wyndham joining the Icon Pass. There's mixed reviews of that always from people when their home mountain joins a mega pass. They worry about overcrowding, et cetera. But curious where your head's at with that. Well, I, I, I guess you
0: can't see me smiling on the other side of his <laughs> phone, but um, I, I, I'm sorry. I'm happy. I am extremely happy. <laughs> Um, you know, I, that means that I go out west every year. Yep. You know, now, now I have the option of getting the icon pass <laughs> at my home mountain. Please, I, I'll go out west twice a year now. I mean, lift tickets, <laughs> lift tickets for the week are five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars. You know, so yep. that pays for your pass right there. Mm-hmm. But I think it's great. I mean, you know, there are always drawbacks to being, Swallowed up by a uh, uh, large conglomerate like that, but it, it's not bad. It's not bad. It's the way that the industry is going. And honestly, I'm happy
1: that Wyndham went with the icon.
0: I think Chip and yeah.
1: Wyndham did a great, great job there. Great job. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it, too. We're both in the same neighborhood here in, uh, in New York City metro area. And, and I look forward to taking my 12-year-old daughter up there this winter. So hopefully I'll see you on the slopes up there, Henry. Well, you look me up, please, and we'll definitely make some turns together. All right. Looking forward to it. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's Henry Rivers, president of the National Brotherhood of Skiers. This has been a very challenging year for that organization, and my condolences again for everything they've been through. Here's hoping we're all back in the snow very soon. Thank you very much for that, Henry. Terrific insight and perspective there. I'm glad to hear they've got Bale's ear. They've got Altera's ear. The sport needs to continue to evolve. And let's hope the MBS is a big part in that. It's long overdue. Thank you all for listening. Please subscribe to the Storm Skiing newsletter for free at skiing.substack.com. A lot of you, I know, just listen on iTunes or Google Podcasts or Spotify or whatever your preferred service is and you skip the newsletter. Frankly, you're missing a lot. The podcast is just a small part of the storm. There's all kinds of analysis and other skiing content in the newsletter. If you love skiing, and if you're listening to this, I believe you do, you're going to like the newsletter, so subscribe today. Stay well, stay safe. I'm Stuart Winchester. Talk to you again very soon.
0: The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.